1: Here we go. Let's put Dutch in his regular spot. There he is. We're all straight now. Welcome into Smack Talk, everybody, here on the Sports Kita Wrestling YouTube channel. Or excuse me, the Bi- Wrestle Binge by Sports Kita Wrestling YouTube channel and the uh, sports key wrestling Facebook page. Now I'm all straight. We are here on our new normal time 10:05. 5 every week now, right after SmackDown. Of course, recapping. latest edition of the blue brand on Friday nights and hitting all the major news stories or at least the biggest ones this week. And of course, today we will be talking about the debut of collision tomorrow, which means the return, the second coming, shall we say of CM punk to a E W. And we will talk about today, this quote unquote bombshell interview that dropped on ESPN. Um, Punk talking for the first time since the last time we saw him talk, which we all know the fireworks that erupted there uh, at the media scrum. So we'll dive into all of the details, juicy or not there. Uh, guys, Roman Reigns tonight lost his right-hand man. He lost his heir to the throne. He lost Jay Uso in another really, really strong bloodline segment. We are going to break it all down for you guys. Appreciate everybody who is in the chat. Feel free to send your comments in throughout the show. We'll get to them as quickly as possible. You can also send us a super chat if you would like, uh, and that will guarantee that your comment gets read on the air Dutch. How's it going, sir? How you doing?
2: Well, I wasn't here last week because of a family emergency. So, but I'm back now. I appreciate everybody that contacted me and, uh, I appreciate that. I really do. We
1: are happy to have you back here, Dutch.
2: Back with you guys. I missed you. Did you miss me?
1: Missed you a lot, Dutch. As
0: always. See, I miss you even more right now.
1: Right now, (laughs)
2: as you. We've
1: had this happen before, where you just kind of bounce in and out. So hopefully, it's uh, it's infrequent tonight. But uh, what did you think of uh, the two hours we saw here tonight, Dutch?
2: Well. The last segment, to me, the payoff, and I agree with Sid, the payoff was tremendous. Because I didn't think that the finish kind of shocked me. I'm thinking, now what are they going to do now? But it was time for it. Everybody's happy now. The Usos are back together. Now Roman is back to scratching his head. Paul Heyman is back to scratching his head. And everybody is left with the same thought. What is Roman going to do now? How's he going to get out of this? So they turned the page. They advanced the story. And I think this was still wrestling at its finest. It it leaves people thinking, but not only thinking, looking forward to what they're going to do next. And And that's the trademark of good booking.
1: Yeah, and uh, we didn't get to talk about what happened last week between Jay and and Paul Heyman, where, you know, Heyman kind of laid out all the secret plans. He was sweet-talking Jay Uso. He was basically offering him up the bribe, right? Everything he ever wanted. Oh, we're going to give you a United States championship match. You're going to win your first singles title, and it's going to be because of Roman Reigns. You're the heir apparent. You're going to take over for Roman Reigns. You're going to be the tribal chief. You're going to be the one to lead this family. This is what we've had planned all along. And then we get this main event segment tonight where Roman Reigns comes down or shall we call him real quick shall we call him belt collector uh roman reigns here sp3 <laughs> as they unify the championships they give him a shiny new one but paul heyman comes down with the old ones anyway but this is so Roman Reigns character. Before,
0: before you can continue, you didn't, you didn't say that correctly, Rick. What? You mean to say, SP3, you were right. He has all three titles. I said this when they introduced a new title two weeks ago. I literally said, I was like, Hall Heyman walked out with both of those titles still. I'm pretty sure they, the Triple H's solution for Roman having two world titles is create two more world titles and just give another one
1: to Roman. <laughs> And I, if you will recall, I said I would not be shocked because this is totally Roman's character. It's 100% what he would do. He loves his trophies, and that's why he had the two belts all along, and he's going to keep all of them. I did like the backstage segments tonight where they were all kind of like stacked like the skulls of Tuganda. Like for anybody who you know has ever seen the Phantom, there's an old school reference for you. Uh, but I loved how they were stacked up and displayed tonight. Uh, I still love the gold belt personally. I think that thing shines uh, r- up really, really nicely. But anyway, he comes down to the ring. He asks for acknowledgement. And then, boom, we are off to the races because as soon as he asks for acknowledgement, here comes Jay Uso down to the ring. And Roman simply asks him, Hey, are you in or are you out? Jay says, You want me? Paul Heyman has to go. And that's when Roman. Gets into sweet talk mode, right? He sits there and he says, Hey, look, all right, Paul Heyman, he he's mine. He's my guy. He's my wise guy. He's not the wise man for the bloodline. He he's my advisor. All right. When you lead the bloodline, you can pick whoever the hell you want. So basically, Paul Heyman is Zazu from The Lion King. That's that's who Paul Heyman is. He is there to assist mufasa until simba is ready to take over the throne and if simba wants to keep zazu around great if not see you later your hyena food all right and that's basically who paul Heyman is right now and he's sitting here and he's talking about hey look paul Heymans saying we were going to set you up starting now we're going to build you up that's total bullcrap we've been building you up for the last three years right you went from I loved how he mentioned the fact that it took 10 years just to get you guys on WrestleMania.
2: Since I took over <laughs> for you guys, you've <laughs> main evented everyone. I got a big pop and he said to 10 years, dude. Oh, <laughs> because it's factual.
1: And like, look, man, he was right. He's like, look, we've elevated you. You went from, you know, a twin to. A guy who's main eventing SmackDown, a guy who's competing for world championship, a guy who's main eventing pay-per-views, who main evented night one of WrestleMania this year, defending the undisputed tag team championships. Everything that Roman Reigns said was 100% on the nose. And for a second there, you're thinking, this bitch is going to do it again. He's going to pull it off again. He's going to sweet talk Jay Uso and manipulate him like he's done for the last three years. Until Jimmy comes down, Jimmy says, hey, look, you. I know you're not buying this. I know you're not buying this. And at this point, we are like 12 minutes into this here, SP3. I was,
2: I was buying it. I was buying into it. I said, hey, he's he's making a lot of sense.
1: I mean, he was making a lot of sense. Jimmy Uso sitting here saying, don't buy his BS. And it was right around here, SP3, you thought things kind of hit a, a little bit of a snag, a little bit of a lull.
0: I just didn't like the that the whole way to kind of shift the focus and lead us into kind of the final stretch of this whole thing was for, you know, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns to say, who's the person that never wanted did, that didn't, that was against you being the right-hand man? And they pointed out Jimmy Uso, and I was just like, well, everyone knew that. Everyone knew that already why are we acting Like this is new information Jay I was like I was like this is Not making me want to root for Jay even though I know The final solution to all of this Is gonna be Jay you know siding with His brother and turning on Roman But it just made him in the In that instant it made him Look dumb or it just made it look feel Like it was just trying to stretch it Out for five yeah. more minutes With him turning the fury on Jimmy in the end we got got there we got to a fantastic ending and overall it was a great segment i just didn't understand the logic of that where everyone including jay has acknowledged that jimmy didn't want him to be the right-hand man because he felt he was being manipulated by roman it wasn't jealousy it wasn't any of that 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 they're alluding to it was more of He was. He just didn't like Roman manipulating his brother. So I just felt like they really tried to stretch that out there, and then give us into a false, a false sense that Jay was going to side with Roman, and they had to stretch it there.
1: Yeah. If if Jay had not, if Jay had ultimately sided with Roman, uh, that that whole story would have would have crumbled, just like you said. But Jay immediately turns around here, Dutch, and I thought he cut. One frickin' hell of a promo. He did his job to try his absolute best to try and sell everybody in, in Lexington tonight, everybody watching at home, that he was actually going to turn on his brother, and he starts digging way into the past. He starts talking about how Jimmy is the older brother. Always listen to your older brother. Always follow your older brother. I've always had to live up to you. I've had to live up to the prom king. I've had to live up to the player of the year. I've had to live up to uh, most likely to succeed, and now you're the one sitting here holding me back, and you know what? Blessing in disguise, you get hurt. I step up. Now I'm main event right-hand man Jay Uso, and you know what, son? You are out. And I am too. And then he turns around and he kicked Roman Reigns' head, head off of his damn body and the entire crowd erupts. And now WWE has built an incredibly hot babyface tag team in the Usos.
2: And- no kidding. No kidding. And they did it that quick and that fast. I mean, they could have went either way with it. This is the best way to go because now. Uh-oh is on the hot seat. What is he going to do? And the crowd popped on it. Hell, I popped on it. <laughs> because I thought well, if they go the other way, it's going to be a, it's going to be flat. Flatter than hell and it would it would diminish my interest in the story. But now since they went this way, now it's a brand new slope, a brand brand new slant, a brand new angle. And it it changes. So now I'm wondering where it's going to go because I have no idea. And that's the beauty of wrestling. Because I've never really seen this before. I've been in this business for over 40 years. I've never really seen an angle like this. Nobody else has either because it's never been done. They took their time with it. Everything they did made sense, and if you went back and thought about it, and I don't think about things as deeply as Sid does, you know, he had all these questions about, well, you knew this, and you, I didn't know it because <laughs> I don't think that deeply on it, but the end cell job was great because they sold me on it, and then when it happened, I said, oh, okay, good. and That's all I- Lexington, Kentucky, and at Rupp Arena, they popped. Yes. You, ever been in that yes. arena? you ever been in that arena, Rick?
1: I have not, unfortunately, uh, Dutch, as you'll pop back here in a second. Yeah, yeah. no, I have not been to Rupp Arena. It's, it's on the bucket list, though.
2: Huge, huge. 21,000 seats. Yeah. Now Dutch, now, Dutch, to your point,
1: this is that's part of the, what makes SP3 so damn impressive, is that this man— Watches every minute of professional wrestling every single week. It don't matter if it's WWE, NXT, New Japan, ROH, uh, Impact Pro Wrestling, WWE, AEW. He watches it all, and this dude still remembers shit that happened 20 freaking years ago down to a T. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but that's why I love working with this man, because he can always keep people like myself in check who have forgotten certain things, to be completely honest with you. That's
2: why this man is so valuable to be on this panel. How, how many hours a week do you watch, Sid?
1: <laughs> so It's a full-time WWE, uh,
0: WWE has, has seven hours of television, so I watched that. Then AEW, up until this week, has three. So yeah. that's ten. I'm at ten hours. Then you got ROH is two hours. That's twelve. You got new. You got Impact is is two hours. That's fourteen. Then I'll squeeze in something from either New Japan or a Stardom or All Japan Pro Wrestling. I watch certain matches from All Japan and and Stardom, but New Japan shows are like two and a half, three hours. So about like 15, 15 hours a week. I love. Uh, no, you're up
1: twenty. You're up oh, okay, 20, 20, yeah, tw- you're 20 up or so. Now they're adding two more with Collision starting tomorrow, and that doesn't count pay-per-view weekends, where sometimes there's like three damn pay-per-views in one weekend. It's a lot. The, it's The man's a, man lot is a to machine, retain. folks. The man is an absolute,
2: utter machine. I don't know how you do Thank that. You. I, re- I really don't. I couldn't do it.
1: Thank <laughs> you. It's a, <laughs> it's you. a full-time job, all right? That, like, but, there's a reason this man does it full-time, because you have to be full-time to watch all that.
0: But and I will say I,
1: and write about it.
0: I will say, I will say, this is one of the rare WWE um, storylines where it's paid off to pay attention and to remember all this stuff because that's why I was a little bit annoyed with that part right. of the segment because I remember vividly when Jimmy came back and he was against J being the right hand man because I was just like, this is what this this story is very much like the Sopranos of professional wrestling. It's about a family. It's very nuanced. You have to remember certain details and certain dialogue that people have said, character motivations. Like everything pays off and it may, and it, it, basically benefits the viewer for watching and paying attention and that's why i love this storyline i've said it once i'll say it again this is a top three honestly a top two storyline in wwe history i think the only thing that compares to it as far as week-to-week episodic television in wwe history is mcmahon versus Austin. That's that's it that's the only thing that even is up on this level. And I think by the end of this entire story, this will go down as the greatest WWE storyline of all time. If they real if they stick the landing. It's all about sticking the landing at this point. Because it's yeah. just giving you so much great television and great segments like we saw tonight.
2: Well, how many hours did you come up with, Sid? 17 or 16? Over 20. Yeah, uh,
0: upwards to between 17 to 20 a week.
2: You watch NXT.
0: Yeah, I counted that. I counted.
2: That's that. another. Oh, you counted that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Good finish. Now, Great finish.
1: Now, now, the question is: is ultimately what is the landing? What is the end game? Is it when Roman drops the 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 WWE Universal Championship? Is that the that that I think that would be ball game, right? He talked about in the WrestleMania um, post how how they're only in the third inning of this of this ball game that they're playing so ultimately the end game is whenever roman drops the championship whomever he drops it to now the question is is he going to be defending it at money in the bank or are we heading toward a tag team match usos versus roman and solo they could put the title on the line in a tag team match that could make that they've mm-hmm. done that before but yeah
0: that's, that's why i think the Yeah, after this segment tonight, you got to do Usos versus Solo and Roman at Money in the Bank, and then you have the Usos win there to set up who versus Roman at SummerSlam, whether that's just Jay. Honestly, at this point, it has to be Jay. I yeah. think Jay is, I've said it I've said it since Royal Rumble, Jay is the Is the breakout star It's like watching a movie that Has, you know, all these Big names in it, all these big Names involved, and then it's like The supporting actor is the MVP of the whole entire film And that's Jay Uso, Jay Uso Is so nuanced with his character His character motivations And he's just been a part of Every big moment in this Story that, in this story started with jay and roman the the real tribal chief story and the bloodline story kicked off with jay and roman and to turn it all back around three years later three years since roman made his return at summerslam you do jay uso versus roman reigns and Honestly, I know people want Cody to finish the story, but I'd be perfectly fine. I i have said, said this since the Royal Rumble and since Jay's performance there, and nothing has taken me off of this. The story would be sticking the landing and doing a pure way, a moonsault, a 450 splash on the landing if Jay Uso is the one that ends Roman Reigns' title run. I think that is the perfect ending to this Bloodline story, even more than Cody finishing the story. I I was one of them.
1: Go ahead. The chat agrees with you. The chat agrees with you. Chris says Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam. Look, Dutch, to his point, the farther we get away from WrestleMania, and I was way on board, right, with Cody being the guy to take the belt away from Roman, the further we get out from WrestleMania, where now you have Cody, who is not only mixing it up still with Brock Lesnar and is probably going to face Brock Lesnar at, at SummerSlam, right? He's now mixing it up with the bloodline and he's, he's fighting Dominic Mysterio at money in the bank and no offense, Dominic Mysterio, because he's one of the best heels that WWE has right now. Insane amount of heat, but going from the main event against Roman reigns to two pay-per-views later, you're, you're fighting Dominic Mysterio on a pay-per-view that everybody thought you would be competing in money in the bank for feels like a major drop-off. And the further we get away, the further it's like I don't see them coming back around and doing Cody and Roman at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia, which was always my fear of, well, how do we do this? How do we navigate this for a year A year out? It feels like Cody is lost at sea at the moment, as far as the world title picture is concerned.
2: He may have right now, but for everybody to say this, Cody and Roman, and it wasn't that? Now that makes the people think. Now they're booking it in their own heads. What would be the best? What would I do? And they're judging, but whatever they do, the story is so good, I think they're going to stick with it. And I think whoever Uso he faces first, Roman, I don't think they'll win it there either. I think they'll drag this out past SummerSlam because they got this angle going. As long as you don't kill the main antagonist, which is Roman. I mean, he can get beat in tag teams and this, that, and the other. Yeah. That will really build the, the guy that beats him. But what's going to count is who he drops that belt to. And if he dro- I I think if he dropped it to the Usos now, it's way too soon. They're losing they're losing a lot of ratings and a lot of you know house money. So I think they're going to drag this out because it's still very enjoyable. It's not old. They keep it fresh. They keep it new. And that's the secret of their success because we're all guessing and the fans are guessing. But we're guessing in a good way because it's good stuff.
1: Nick says uh, Cody never winning the world title. He may not, but ultimately I think he, he'll, he will win.
2: He'll he'll win win. either
1: at the very least. He's winning the world heavyweight championship at the very least. He's winning the world heavyweight championship. I think he needs to win the WWE title though. Personally, that's him actually finishing his story. Ozzy saying Cody versus Seth. I don't think Seth is going to be the world heavyweight champion at WrestleMania next year. The way he's going, I don't know if he's going to have a very long reign, but. That's just a feeling I, I, I think, I think by next year, honestly, at this point, if I was a betting man, I think Gunther is probably world heavyweight champion by WrestleMania 40 next year. Personally, personally, go, when he's going,
2: I'd go with Gunther.
1: Don't you love Gunther?
2: Oh, I do love him because every time he goes out there, he makes you believe and he's not a big talker. He talks, I mean, to the point directly, he does is believable, and and see they got a lot of money with with Roman and, and Gunther really, if you think about it, yeah. And Gunther and and Cody, you got a lot of money, so I think they're gonna they they're gonna stay on the Gunther bandwagon, and whatever they got planned now can change at the, in an instant.
1: Drop of a hat, yeah,
2: yeah, because they're listening to that crowd. And that's telling them or is telling Triple H exactly where to go. Which is good.
1: Now, if you're a fan, uh, I, I if you're a fan of Gunther like Dutch, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. Follow me on Twitter. All right, follow these gentlemen as well, too, because they're both fantastic at dirty d mantel at true heel sp3, as you see on the screen. If you're a fan of Gunther, if you're a fan of Chris Statlander, or you're a fan of uh, Zoe Stark, follow me on Twitter because I talked to all three of them within the last week. And you can find all that stuff right there on my Twitter page. It is there ready to go for you. Uh, One of the other few things that I did like about tonight, guys uh, leading up to the event were all the other little segments involving uh, the bloodline and Paul Heyman, Uh, even something as simple as Jay Uso walking to the ring and he passes Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn doesn't even say anything. He just looks at him, gives him a nod, gives him a little smile, almost like Sammy knew what Jay was going to go out there and do, and he was like, "Attaboy!" Like before he even did it, he gave him an, he gave him an attaboy. The other thing I love tonight is really what they're doing with Solo. Like Paul Heyman returns to the. To Roman's locker room after he talks with Jay and he's there to de- deliver the bad news that he didn't get an answer from Jay Uso. And what does Solo do? He just steps up, Heyman wets his pants, and he runs out of the freaking room. And Solo just looks over at Roman and says, You want me to take care of this for you? And Roman just likes, like, settle down, settle down. All of a sudden, Solo has become the <laughs> Bloodlines hitman and he is thirsty. He just wants to take. People out. He's a guy who loves his job and wants to do all the wet work, right? He just wants to, he, he will be the assassin, the eliminator, whatever you want to call him. He is the Bloodlines hitman. And I love that they've turned him into that. He's a so guard dog. He just wants a stake.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they're building solo the right way, taking their time. Again, the people, the fans' brain is working overtime. And when you think about these guys, and then you say uh, Gunther versus Solo, well, I would be interested in that right now, just to see what they would do with it. And Cody versus Solo, I'd be interested in that too. So they're getting these individual baby faces over, individual heels over, and if they pace this correctly, that could take them – well past the year well past wrestlemania next year because triple h has showed his hand that he is willing to invest time in getting these guys over and the longer it takes to get them over that means i mean if you don't do anything stupid that means the longer they'll last i like it a lot
1: yeah the second that they that solo delivers a spike to roman reigns they got a star on their hands they got an absolute money top level baby face whenever they decide to pull that trigger if if they ultimately do because i think if roman is going to drop the titles at wrestlemania he's got to be alone he's not going to have the backup that he's had the last few years right he, he's not going to have the family with him so at some point between now and philadelphia Solo's got to break out on his own and whomever Roman is going up against at WrestleMania. It's finally going to be a fair one-on-one fight with only the wise man there, basically, unless he also walks away from Roman. It it, it, long way to go. Interesting to see how this all unfolds. But again, now we have reached new territory. It's, it's a battle, not so much over the the titles, but over self-respect over, you know, family just, Hey, don't use me. And, there, there's a, a whole lot of ego and pride and family mixed into this, and it is 100% just a, a fantastic story. They are doing a hell of a job with it. We do have a super chat from uh, Roland Curtis here. Thank you. Appreciate it always. Uh there, Roland. I think that the tag titles and Jay Uso alone winning a world title is too small. I'm hoping that the two old belts uh, foreshadow a triple threat scenario where each Uso beats Roman for the original titles. I do not foresee that happening. Um, The second that Roman Reigns drops the belts, those two old ones are gone. They are gone. I think the universal title itself, as far as being part of the title of the championship, is gone as well. And the universal title lineage will go away. Um, Yeah, I I just because then that would legitimately give them if, let's say, each Uso were to win a world championship, then they would have three world titles technically four if you want to count the nxt championship it's no there's 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 too much i mean i mean they already kind
0: of already do have four belts like let's
1: be real here four belts yeah i I, I've,
0: i've said it before triple h's solution his grand solution was for roman having two world titles was to give him another one And create another world (laughs) title for somebody else. Like that is that I I legitimately I put it out on Twitter. I'll say it here. I really feel like at this point Triple H watches Smack Talk and he's trolling me. He's trolling
2: me at this point.
0: He's trolling me because I said all he does is come up with bigger problems instead of solutions to his problems. And it, it at this point, I think that he is a genius. He is the cerebral assassin. And he's trolling me by doing this. And I love it. I love Triple H is your best work yet as Booker.
1: Now, I will, uh, Dutch, I, I kind of agree with Roland on one thing, though. Just Jay just Uso, if that ends up being the SummerSlam match, just Jay Uso versus Roman for the title, it doesn't feel like it's enough, right? Like it feels like it should be for the title and for the title of tribal chief, right? I've like put everything out there on the line. If Jay beats Roman, not only does he get the belt, he gets the entire damn family and Roman's out.
2: You yeah, know, that position of a tribal chief takes on a big importance now. Because if he's the tribal chief, Paul Heyman is gone. Oh yeah, they've already established that. So, but if they put the title up and the tribal chief uh, position, I mean, they could. I don't know if they can break that up or not. But if that's another good angle, they can do. They can get another week or two out of it anyway.
0: But you make a good point. I don't think it's two separate things. That's why a lot of people, you know, I've seen people on the other side of the perspective from the people that are upset that Cody Rhodes lost at WrestleMania. And it says that this, this story needs the world title, because that is the symbol of being the tribal chief of this family is being the champion. So I think that that's one in the same. You don't need to make it for the tribal chief and for the championship. He's had the title for three years. Like that's what it's all about. It's about the, the undisputed WWE universal championship. And I think that the story is strong enough where if you have, you know, Jay, actually if it, I think the key to this is at money in the bank, it can't just be the Usos beating solo. Even though you can make that work as well, which I'll explain, but I really feel the best so the best outcome is Jay pinning Roman. It's been three years since Roman has been pinned, and I think that that is the perfect scenario, especially if it's in a way like Solo's going for the spike, Jay moves and he hits Roman with it. You, that's adding that protection, and then you're giving a reason for Roman to turn his fury—the fury that's been directed at the Usos since WrestleMania—onto Solo because Solo is the person that really he blames, and there's real, the real reason why he's finally lost after three years. Especially if you're gonna have Roman then beat Jay at Summerslam, at least give them that, where Jay is the first person to pin Roman in nearly four years. That that would be the big thing. Uh- I, I was going to
1: say, because right now you, you got to go back to December of 2019 when yeah. Baron Corbin pinned Roman Reigns, that was that whole dog food mess, right? The whole, I covered Roman and the dog food uh, on the, on the turnbuckle. And then he beats him in a match. And it's like, oh man, how much has his career turned <laughs> turned around since right then? <laughs> Uh one Roman reign. These like these
0: two guys went in two separate directions, Corbin and Roman. But mm-hmm. you can also make it work where you can have the Usos pin Solo, and then he still he Roman can blame Solo. That's yeah. two two straight losses in tag team matches because Solo lost. I didn't lose. You lost. And yeah. you know Solo's been the loyal soldier. He doesn't even call Roman Roman, even when the Usos were sub uh subservient to to Roman. They. Won- would call him tribal chief, but a lot of times they would just call him Roman or Oos. They would just yeah. call him that with Solo. Solo doesn't even call him Roman, doesn't call him Oos. He calls him my tribal, my tribal chief. chief. I, I'll do this, my tribal chief. I got you, my tribal chief. You want me to handle this, my tribal chief? And then you can turn it around. And that would be a huge moment within itself in this whole story. If Solo then, you know, after Roman kind of turns his fury onto Solo, he says, Roman, don't talk to me like that. Like, that would be a huge moment where you'll get the,
1: ooh, oh, he shit.
0: said, open, yeah. he didn't call him my tribal chief. Like, there's so many different ways that they can go about it now.
1: No, but um, I do like, I do like, go sorry, ahead. sorry, I was like, I do like the idea of Jay pinning him at Money in the Bank to set up the world title match at SummerSlam. I love that idea because if there is any validity to, like, if they, if, Let's say WWE really had the plan that they laid out, right, where they want Jay Uso. They think Jay Uso is somebody who can extend to that next level, who could be a world heavyweight champion, right? Having him pin Roman Reigns in the middle of the ring, first time in three and a half years, they make that man. However it gets done, however it gets done, they make him if they decide to do that at Money in the Bank, and then they can still keep the title on Roman. It's a win-win scenario in that situation. I think personally, I don't think Roman loses anything by that. It wouldn't be any different than any of Roman's victories because he, 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 he lost to Seth Rollins. He lost to Cody Rhodes. There were several other people who had him beat hell. Technically he didn't even get to his feet during the, the, the last man standing match against Kevin Owens because he was handcuffed to the damn, uh, trestle, trestle, right? He didn't even get to his feet. The ref just stopped counting. This man has lost. He's just never. It's just never gone down in the books. I think it's a win-win situation if you have J.B. Uh, the one to pin him at, at Money in the Bank and set that up at SummerSlam. Dutch, your thoughts?
2: Well, I'm looking at it like a fan. Wherever they take me, I think all these are are, are valid scenarios of where they could go. And wherever they go, as long as it makes sense and fits within the parameters of the story, I'm with them. Because that's what makes good fans. That's what makes good angles. Because you've got to make sense with it. And I have seen nothing where I think that Mr. Sid saw a a little uh, lag in logic in explaining this tonight. But me, I don't look that deep into it because I enjoyed it tonight. I thought it was a, a hell of a job.
1: We do have another super chat here uh, from Star Tracker Tracks. Appreciate it. I was watching 98 Raw 1998. That was right around the time I started watching wrestling. Said everyone had a story. Dutch, why can't WWE sustain more than one storyline? All others are uh, meet in the back and have a match. What? Uh, look, what? There's, there's some validity to that, right? Obviously, there are. You, there are other people who have storylines right now. They got things going on right now between Finn Balor and Damian priest, Bianca Belair and Charlotte are starting something. Now we'll, we'll talk about that, but it does feel like they could be doing more with more people, giving the size of the roster and the fact that they have two separate shows.
2: Yep. But let's look back to hell. They had one story and that's it. One story. Can you can you
1: start over again, Dutch? You dropped out for a second.
2: No, I said if we if we look back nine months ago, they had one story. That's all they had. They had Roman and uh, and all that. They didn't have any other stories. Now since Triple H has taken over, and I did fear when Vince came back that things would change, but I think Triple H has kind of righted the ship and they're still on track because they got a lot more going on now than they did nine months ago. Now in 98 in WWE, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a lot of stories, different era, but now I think they're almost trying to get everybody in something. And that's why some of the angles don't look as good. Because they haven't had time to build, yeah. But I don't think any any angle could build the way the story, the uh, the Usos and Roman Reigns' story has progressed. Because it's almost taken a life of its own. Yeah. It kind of books itself, and they do it in small increments. They don't do any. Tonight was a big step. One of the biggest steps they've taken and it will be well received. And timing
1: is everything on this, right? They needed to do this tonight because Dutch is like you alluded to earlier. If they had gone another way, they would have lost you, right? You would have been, it would have felt like they were kicking the can down the road. Honestly, what it would have felt like is a Bray Wyatt segment tonight where it's like, okay, can we get to wherever the hell the, the checkpoint is so we can start the next thing? That was the biggest issue with Bray's comeback before his illness that has taken him off of TV now for for several months was it just never seemed like we were getting to the destination. It was just, OK, we're still walking. We're still walking. We're still walking. Five weeks later, we're still walking. Where's the end game? Can we get to a checkpoint? Can we find out who the hell Uncle Howdy is? Like, we never got there this was timing they needed to make it they needed to make the move they needed to put the usos versus the 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 rest of the bloodline and they made it at the right time
2: what what do you think the bray wyatt story didn't advance it was this we
1: had the same questions for six months while he was back on tv the same exact questions we never got an answer to a single solitary one who's uncle howdy What's the connection with Alexa? That story is dead in the water now because Alexa is expecting. Congratulations to her. But she's 18 18 months bare minimum before she comes back. Right. So, um, I mean, there's there's a lot that, you know, they never answered a single question with anything that was going on with him. They did a good build up to the, the lights out match. And then the match happened and a lot of time got cut and it was hard to see anything. And L.A. Knight came out of that somehow. Man, that guy is bulletproof. L.A. Knight is is freaking bulletproof. They have done everything, starting from Vince McMahon telling him to shave off the facial scruff, put on a shirt, open it up, and start walking around as Max Dupree. And he survived all of it. And he's still here, and he still lost a match tonight to Santos Escobar that lasted two and a half minutes, and he's punching out Rey Mysterio, doing all the heel chicken shit things he can do, and they're still cheering for him out of the damn building. That man's got to win money in the bank, Dutch. He has got to win money (laughs) in the bank. Put this man on the right track,
2: please. That That would be great if he won it, because nobody is expecting him to do it. Nobody, not even himself. <laughs> if, if he went and, and he won, that would be a big, big advancement for him, but one that he could handle and one that he could step into and own. He's a great Because I was with him in TNA and he, he was good there. He was learning, but he was He was good.
1: And you know what, Sid? Actually, tonight's loss uh, kind of makes me uh, a little more optimistic that LA Knight is actually going to win at Money in the Bank. It, it, this They tend to try to do this with the Money in the Bank winners, whether it's before or after or both. They don't win a whole lot when when they get that briefcase.
0: And I think that both Money in the Bank, my favorites for the Money in the Bank ladder matches, lost tonight. We had Selena beat EOCI, who I think is going to win the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And then you had LA Knight lose to Santos Escobar. And I want LA Knight to win the, the Money in the Bank ladder match. I think it's Damian Priest because WWE, the way they have booked LA Knight, I'm just like, yeah, he, he can win Money in the Bank, and I would be happy, but imagine how much happier I would have been if they would have actually built him up for that, like how much in a better space he would have been if he had picked up some wins ahead of winning Money in the Bank. He would be in a much better position, and I'd be a lot more confident in him as the Money in the Bank briefcase holder, but this is the whole thing with them uh, having the Money in the Bank potential winner lose beforehand you may don't make me very confident in their chances because when I think of Money in the Bank winners who lose before they win the briefcase, I think of San uh, Damian Sadow, I think of Austin Theory, I think of Baron Corbin, I think of the worst Money in the Bank winners in the world. Dean Ambrose won a big tie, a big feud against Chris Jericho before he he won the Money in the Bank and then cashed it in on the same night. Seth Rollins was the, already the biggest heel. In- company before he won money in the bank after the shield turn uh edge was on a roll after the whole matt hardy feud before he won money in the bank like when you think about the great money in the bank holders you think about guys that had momentum going in when you think of the guys that didn't have momentum and got losses before they win money in the bank they tend to not be the best money in the bank holders, and I think that would be irre- I think that would be the one thing that would be a threat to finally kill the the
2: <laughs> LA Night momentum that we're talking about here.
1: The, the silver bullet, right for for LA Night.
2: Um, the, Did the I read this correctly. Carlitos is coming back to the WWE. It's been a rumor for a while now um and it's starting to pick
1: up some steam because he canceled some bookings recently yeah. so we'll see uh WWE still to date so far this year has not hired anybody for the main roster so he would be the first one if that actually uh comes to fruition and they've missed out on some big names which switchblade jay white uh topping that list um but just real quick here sp3 playing devil's advocate right i could see where WWE could go okay We don't have to build up this guy too much because he's already over as hell. And we start building him up after he wins money in the bank. That's when his push really starts. And honestly, we're kind of in uncharted territory here because yes, I know Vince is hanging above and he's making changes every now and again, but they seem to really kind of be more structural changes than story changes, switching up matches, match orders and things like that. Um, He seems to really, as of lately be trusting triple H in his direction We don't know how Triple H will book a a Money in the Bank winner from Jump, right? The one that he chooses to hold the briefcase. We saw how he booked Austin Theory last year, so he's off to a bad start. But we don't know how he will book his pick, right? He will really prove something to me. I will truly believe that we are in uncharted waters if the Women's Money in the Bank briefcase holder has it for longer than 48 hours. Uh, if that happens, I will believe that we are on a new track here. And I think that maybe you could put the belt, you could put the briefcase in the hands of somebody like Zelina Vega and put it in somebody like a, a, an LA Knight and really start and elevate their pushes from the moment that they get the briefcases and build up to the cash-in instead of, oh, well, we'll just make people forget that they have the damn briefcase and he'll lose a million times. Dolph Ziggler might be the only one that, like, breaks the mold of what you were talking about. Cause that guy didn't win a match for unless his briefcase was on the line. That guy did not win a match for like a year until he cashed in on Alberto Del Rio and won the belt. If I, uh, if memory serves correct.
0: No, no, he actually won a feud against John Cena. He won. He 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 eventually would lose to him afterwards. But the big matchup that I remember for the Cena Ziggler feud was him winning the the Money in the Bank when the Money in case was on the line in a ladder match. And AJ Lee turned on Cena and aligned with Ziggler. He That's actually right. beat yeah. John Cena on pay per view before he he cashed in Money in the Bank. And even him, you can see he was a good Money in the Bank holder. But even him, once he won yeah. it. Bad luck caught off to him,
2: yeah. He yeah, got hurt now, well, Rick. Why don't you remember that?
1: Hey, <laughs> I have a man, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. Uh, we got another uh super <laughs> chat here from uh Roland Curtis, really appreciate it, man. Uh, he said, like you guys said, Roman could be carrying all three belts out of vanity, uh, but I don't believe that Roman's undisputed is like 22 2001 Y2J's undisputed um y2j was not the undisputed WWF/WCW champion undisputed wwe universal he believes are two titles i don't believe that to be the case i'm not a million percent sure though because even on wwe's own website right now it's still listed as if you click on roman reigns on the superstar chat right it says wwe undisputed universal champion right but if you click on him it still has two separate belts listed two different lineages and Sean Ross at com actually had a report out about this. And it, the belief is, is that whenever Roman does drop the belt, the other two belts will go away. The lit separate lineages will, will come to a close. All of this would have happened already if Roman's reign didn't start with the Universal Championship. I think this is Triple H playing the long game. Uh, to ultimately retire the Universal Championship and go back to WWE World Heavyweight Championship like it was back in his heyday. But I could be wrong. The only thing we're not, one thing is for sure, Roland, we're not going to know until Roman drops the damn belt. So yeah. let's let's reconvene at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia yeah. where he might he might drop the title uh for the first time in in three and a half years all right guys we have we have a whole other uh show to talk about here the rest of the show anyway so let's start from the top here uh, we have new number one contenders for the undisputed tag team championships we had a gauntlet match here that started off with the street profit and the brawling brutes and for the life of me not not two minutes after Wade Barrett on commentary says, there's a reason the Street Profits were the first tag team off the board. Were these MFers getting pinned and beat before the first commercial break? Oh, get that. I, don't, I, don't, I don't get upset about much anymore, right? I, I, I it, It's all subjective. I, I tend to try to see the bigger picture. What
2: on God's
1: green earth are we doing with the Street Profits? What on God's green earth are we doing? Because if anybody so far from the draft has not lived up to where they were selected, it is the Street Profits who they have done nothing with. Nothing. I can't remember the last time these guys competed for the tag team titles. I know it was against the Usos at some point during their run. You would have thought that they would be lined up for a tag team title shot, maybe even relatively quickly after the Usos dropped the belts. Has not happened, but I get it. This entire match was set up for pretty, pretty deadly. You had the Brawling Brutes after they beat the Street Profits. They ran through everybody. Like, nobody else mattered in this match. OC, they went out quick. Uh, LWO went out quick. Hit Row, why'd you even involve them? Uh, they were in, they were out. They, uh, literally, the only reason I think they were in this match is so Michael Cole could take a shot at top dollar. And regardless, after about 15 minutes... <laughs> Seamus is gassed. He's cooked. They've eliminated the other four teams. Pretty deadly get in there. They have a nice little tussle for a few minutes, but ultimately uh, you get Prince who hits the top rope, legged her up uh, on an exhausted Seamus, pins him for the win, sets up pretty deadly. Dutch, I know you haven't been the biggest fan of theirs so far, but to me, if they're coming out of the gate, strong here and they win this matchup and they're getting a promo exchange with with Sammy and Kevin and that's the direction they're starting to go I think this is a good thing for for uh, for pretty deadly tonight I think they're getting set up for some success here they got some good heat tonight I thought Uh, Lexington hated them hated the hell out of them I enjoyed their promo exchange with Sammy and and Kevin I thought that was really good all the way around um, what I
2: like about Pretty Deadly is their chicken shit heels. I mean, they'll take off. You know, you, you know those tough heels, they don't look like tough heels. They look like they'll run away when the, the, the going gets tough. Yeah. And can work in their advantage. I don't think they match up well. Because, of course, I haven't seen the match. I don't think they match up with Kevin and Sammy, after what Kevin and Sammy have gone through. It's almost like they're dropping down a peg. Maybe not much, but, but, but we'll see. Let's see how they work together because you know, you don't know how they're going to do till you put them together. And then you see what the chemistry is between them.
1: I mean, almost by default, SP3, KO and Sammy have dropped off because they detached from the hottest story in WWE and are now in the tag team division. Right with Sans Usos, Sans Roman Reigns, and and Solo Sikoa, so just by default they have dropped down. But they're on Raw, they're feuding with Imperium, Imperium, and they're wrestling. You know, with Gunther and Ko, and Gunther had a great match a couple of weeks ago, right? And you know, they to WWE's credit, since they put them on Ko and Sammy, the tag team titles have now really become a focus again, where they were kind of lost while the Uso's had them. And you've had everybody, every single team line up and say, hey, we got next, which is why they set up this gauntlet match in the first place. So now, you know, it's it's kind of up to them to put the focus back on the tag team titles and, and however long they're going to have them, which may not be that much longer. I would not be surprised, honestly, would not be surprised at pretty deadly wins in two weeks.
0: Like as far as like level of importance, I think you can make the argument it's either like the undisputed WWE tag team titles or the Intercontinental title is the second biggest title in this company, and it it comes down to kind of a point I made earlier this week, I believe, on another channel uh that uh that the world heavyweight championship they're not doing it any favors by doing these open challenges because no one's really fighting for the title all you have to do is challenge Seth Rollins and it doesn't matter if you lost your last match you can get a shot at the title but with the tag team titles you got an imperium fighting fighting for it on raw you had judgment day seem like they wanted a shot before they got focused on the world heavyweight championship you got all these different teams fighting it for it on this show i will say though they did no favors to this whole tag team division on this show in this matchup all they did was showcase in spotlight uh, pretty deadly and the brawling brutes and automatically when the brawling brutes got by two teams i was like they are going to get by every single team until they get to Pretty Deadly Definitely. and then lose to Pretty Deadly. It's like, this is like WWE booking for a tag team gauntlet 101. And I just don't understand why WWE has... Came out and had great singles gauntlet matches. Like I think about, you know, Kofi Kingston and how he was showcased, and he had long matches. He had a long match with Brian Danielson, had a long match with Jeff Hardy, had a long match with Samoa Joe, put over Samoa Joe as this beast who tried to injure him. He had the moment with AJ Styles where he's like eleven years and that put over everybody that was in that elimination chamber match. I think about the year following. You had, uh, you had no, the year before that you had Seth Rollins with the great with the great performance in a, in a gauntlet matchup abo- before the Elimination Chamber. Like, they do the singles gauntlet so well. It's just like, why don't you ever do that with the tag team gauntlet? Your tag team gauntlet, you just treat it like everybody's a bunch of bums, except for the final two at the end. And that's how it felt here. But they did a good job with that final tag team matchup. Overall, it was a fun open to the show, really put over Ridge Holland and his improvement, as yes. well as Sheamus being one of the more popular guys in this company right now and pretty deadly in the end they come off like the you know Competent heels who are able to sneak in different ways and get the win like they have been doing here. So I put them over in the end, put over crawling brutes in the end. But like you said, Street Poppers was in there for three minutes and they're supposed to be the number one overall tag team on this on this whole division. LWO looked like they were going to get momentum and then they were gone before they can even catch that
2: momentum. Dollar in there. 15 Top,
0: th- that was like, that was had to be like 20 20 <laughs> seconds at best. They, they were in there for like 20 seconds. OC got uh, OC got to go through a commercial break, but then yeah. when we come back from commercial break, they're immediately out of there. Like, no one got over except for the final two teams. So, that was my only issue with the matchup. But I think they picked the right winner in pretty deadly. And I think that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, yeah, they're not in the, the hottest angle right now in the company with the bloodline. They're still kind. Kind of outliers in this, like you said, with the whole Sami Zayn and Jey Uso uh, little segment there. He's still kind of he's still a part of this whole story in in his little way still. But they are still making them probably like the second, third most important thing going on in the entire company
1: uh multiple people in the chat uh asking the same question but i will pull up uh joseph uh, gonzalez because he sent us a super chat thank you very much really appreciate that he said i think it's time to split the street profits uh they are going nowhere and ford has huge star potential uh ford's 35 they're at risk of wasting his prime years uh just a quick side note prime years man lashley's 45 dudes are going longer i get what you're saying dudes are going longer I, I but every time I hear somebody say that Damian Priest is a, has a you know is a future star and like a you know a staple for the company, that mf is forty. All right, so it's like it, it, it all
2: all. He's forty. Damian Priest is forty. I remember WWE wouldn't hire anybody over twenty eight. <laughs> if you were over twenty eight, get out of here. True. You'd get a lot of use out of you. I think there's only like out
1: outside of the women's division, which most of them are in NXT. I think on the main roster, what, SB3, back me up here. There's two people under 28 in Dom and Austin Theory. Anybody else you can think of?
0: Uh, not off the, the top of my head. There's not that many guys that are, I mean, if maybe it's Cameron. I think Cameron Grimes is in his 30s. So, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think of any of the NXT, maybe Pretty Deadly is in their, is in their 20s. Because I'm trying to think of anyone. I know Pete Dunn. Oh, Butch. Butch is in his 20s. I'm pretty
1: is sure. Is he? Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 Cameron Grimes is 29. Right. And Butch is... Let's see. How old is Butch? Yeah. Butch is 29 as well. So you're right. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> under 28, 28. is as redom
1: in Austin Theory. Yeah. Hell, LA Knight, I think, is 41. You know, we're talking about... Yeah. yeah we're talking about, hey, let's hopefully Damian Priest in LA Knight can get there. And you're talking about wasting Ford's prime years at 35. And we're talking about dudes who are five to six years older than this guy. Um, but I get what you're saying. Cause I feel like SP three for three damn years. Now we have been talking about Montez Ford's potential as a single star. And I look, if they aren't doing anything with the profits as a tag team, start a singles push now. Now, have them hey, look, Austin Theory wasn't even on the show tonight. Wasn't even on the show. Ford Theory, United States title, start it now. Start it right now. They already had, you know, bickering going back and forth with each other ahead of the draft, ahead of WrestleMania. You got some history between the guys. Fire it back up. What are we doing? Should they break them up? I've always said, no, you shouldn't. But hell, at this point, if it gets them both in a, in a storyline that people are going to give a crap about and give them quality... TV time, f it, break them up. I think they still can, they still have more to accomplish as a team. But WWE ain't interested in that right now. Why are we just having these two dudes sit on the shelf right now and do nothing? I don't get
2: it.
0: I I don't understand it.
2: But I'm not really uh, see. I think our attention is all, uh, I mean, distracted by the main event angle. And it's hard to see some of this other stuff because that that takes effort, even on the creative team. It takes effort, desire, and it kind of taxes your mind. They got the the Roman Reigns and the the bloodline going so strongly. They're laying on that heavily because that's going to carry them through. So, And they don't want to use too many angles because... You only got so many guys. You only got so many you can use, and they don't want to use something in in these these earlier matches that they may have to use with a bloodline, because if you've already seen it, you people like Sid would say, "Hey, they did that the same thing with so and so and so and so and so." It's bullshit. <laughs> so <That's> they, me. <laughs> they 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 work their big stuff with Roman. And the bloodline, and uh, I do like though that uh, I'm liking Pretty Deadly a little better now. I don't Growing think there, I don't think they'll ever be your hot team, but they're pretty entertaining, and they kind of grow on you like cancer. You know, they really
1: do. They do. <laughs> Trust me. Like when I first saw them at NXT UK, I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know. And they were annoying, okay. right? They're, they're annoying off the bat. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it, but I don't know if I like, I don't know. Right. Like that's how I kind of felt about it. And then like week after week after week, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, do I, I like these guys? Like well, like after about four or five weeks, I'm like, do I like these dudes? And I'm like, yes, I do. I do. It's weird. It's I've, the-
0: I've, I've liked them since i have seen them in NXT UK. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know if I'm in the minority here, which I am already. Um, but I like. I like Pretty Deadly. I like Pretty Deadly. I've, I've been fans of them. I agreed with Dutch though. They didn't know where to position them so far, like early on during their main roster run. But I feel like this is the right direction. They got their biggest win yet tonight, so they're in a good. They're in a good side right there.
1: Uh, Roland Curtis is coming through. Logan Paul is twenty-eight. There you go. So
0: there's somebody I was checking all these different names. Thank you, Roland, because I was checking all these <laughs> different names. I checked J.D. McDonough. He's 33. I was like, God damn, like, really? There's a thing? <laughs> I was like, what is going on with this company? Oh. And, their, and their lack of youth I, again, in, it's, the, in the male division.
1: But this is where things have changed. This is how the game has evolved. The way athletes are built nowadays, the way they take care of their bodies, the way modern medicine has advanced. Dudes are prolonging their careers well into their 40s. And look at Sting. Sting is wrestling at how old is he? 63? He's about to be 64. Yep. Yeah. He's still yep. wrestling
2: for crying out well, loud. And Sting that guy does, had a career-ending neck injury. But well, what Sting does, he could wrestle till he's 80. He don't do nothing. Stands in the corner, <laughs> I mean, makes yeah. back, throws some punches.
1: Yeah, I mean, he can he can wrestle in his sweatshirt until now, until now, until the end of time, right? He can oh, do yeah. whatever he wants. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Stinger right. slash Scorpion yeah. death, drop. death
0: drop. And he only wrestles like four times a year, really.
1: A year. But he's still going, right? He's still going. Still going. Uh, EO Sky and Zelina Vega had a match tonight. Uh, one in which Zelina got the win in another. Man, kind of paint by number scenario that they've been doing with damage control here. Ultimately, I get the point of it, right? It's to drive home. That they're not on the same page, which we get because they have not been on the same page for quite some time now. Um, it almost feels like Dakota getting hurt through some stuff off. And it took them a while to figure out exactly what they wanted to do between EO and Bailey. Um, so I'll give them some 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 credit there, but, or a little bit of slack there, I mean. But Sky, when Sky had the match won, she has uh, Zelina rolled up. But Bailey's arguing with the referee or the ref is arguing with Bailey. So the ref didn't get the three count in time. Then EO does the the dumb baby face move where she goes over and she starts screaming at Bailey and they are having a conversation that feels like it took 45 seconds while Zelina is just standing back there doing the LWO. Hey, I'm going to do the 619 here. And after what felt like an eternity, she finally hits the 619 and pins her. I think that whole sequence needed to be much faster because the longer that, you know, Sky is just arguing with Bailey, sticking her head out between the ropes and kind of doing this little shoulder look, like the longer, like it just, it killed the whole segment. If that whole thing lasted five seconds, great. I think that would have worked out so much better. But regardless, it still feels like anytime they want damage control to lose, this is the play they run. It's like a football coach who constantly runs halfback dive on first down because one time he got six yards out of it and it hasn't worked since, but he just keeps running the Sam damn play over and over again. They need to call a different play. That's what I was saying. Anyway, they need to call a different play with damage control. Then after we come back from commercial break, they run a different play with damage control because Io and Bailey are arguing backstage Shotzi interrupts. She challenges Bailey for her spot in Money in the Bank. And then Io says, you're on. She will put her spot on the line in Money in the Bank. Which makes me think, Dutch, Bailey's not making it to Money in the Bank.
2: Well, I don't think it would be a big loss, to tell you the truth. So, okay. This thing keeps jumping back and forth here. Yeah, we notice.
1: My eyes
2: are crossing. I'm going, what the hell? I'm getting busy watching this crap. Yeah, your they, internet
1: keeps dropping you out every, for a few seconds, every couple of minutes, but it's fine. You're, you're still here.
2: You're saying my internet or your um, internet? I yeah. believe
1: so. I believe it's yours.
0: I think it's yours.
2: <laughs> I'm going uh, to call my internet company and tell on you two guys. Okay. So you get a real hot email about you need to stop talking. Badly. Tell,
0: you, tell, you, tell your neighbor to stop playing around there with you. you there you go. There go. His neighbor, his neighbor, his neighbor but, keep cutting them off.
2: Yeah the the thing with uh, the girls, I'm not into that. If you're gonna do it, do it. But, I mean, I think they saw uh, Vega, her reaction, in Puerto Rico. Sure. And they said, "Wow, we might be missing the boat here." And since that time, they pushed her. Yeah. So
1: and they've kind of done the same with eo sky who is a heavy favorite to to win the money in the bank ladder match but i don't know sb3 like,
2: now i'm sorry who is the champion eo sky no, who's the oscar champ-
1: oscar's Asuka.
0: the wwe uh- women's women's champion here
1: you wouldn't know that because she wasn't on the show tonight i'll yeah. get there
0: zelina has more victories on since Backlash than she had before. Backlash, you know, yes. before she got it shot at the world, at the title.
1: world title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, SP three. I feel like I feel like Bailey would be somebody who would push, be pushing, like behind the scenes, who would be pushing to give Shotzi an opportunity and money in the bank, but. I feel like the match loses a bit of juice if both Bailey and EO are not in Money in the Bank. I feel like they both need to be there. I don't want Shotzi to replace Bailey in this Money in the Bank ladder match.
0: I don't either because I'm um, just going to be honest. I like Shotzi. I think she is talented, but the last time she was in Money in the Bank, woof. <laughs> That's all I can say, ladies and gentlemen. Last year's Money of the Bank with Shotzi involved. Wolf and I think that one of the selling points Of this woman's money in the bank Is the fact that you know you have That whole dynamic with damage control You got the Zoe and Becky Feud going on you got Zelina Who's picking up momentum Uh, Did they did they address who's Filling this last spot did they say It's there if there's a match on raw To fill the last spot I got to
1: assume It's coming from Monday Night Raw because there's Already three Smackdown superstars In the match but they yeah. have not said what the last qualifier is yet. No.
0: That's so weird. That's so weird to me that they, cause they promoted stuff on raw and, but I didn't see anything for the, the woman's money in the bank. So I was just like, I, I'm wondering okay. if they want,
1: I'm wondering if they want it to be Indy Hartwell and they're just waiting to see if she gets cleared in time to do it. Maybe that might be part of the, I,
0: I wouldn't, know. I wouldn't even say no, I would say like Candace is right there. So why not just, Put Candace and have her face like Nikki Cross and start that whole program again or something yeah. like that. Well, they took the whole family. That, they've,
1: they've, they've taken that whole family off of Raw for the last few weeks. Now I think Johnny's going to come back in Cleveland. I think he's fighting Seth Rollins on Monday. I think that's who's answering the open challenge, and then Tommaso can come back and they'll finally fire up whatever the hell they're doing with the way over on Monday Night Raw. But it, yeah, it's it's weird that they have not at least said who the what the last qualifying match is. Uh, just yet, but um, yeah, they they need to have Bailey and EO in the match because we're already going to get outside interference with Trish. You know, that's happening. Yes. Trish is going to get involved, so you can't have Trish and Bailey get involved from the outside. So, nothing against Shotzi. I would like to see her get a chance to redeem herself because, uh, yeah, she fumbled the ball last year at, at, at Money in the Bank when she got the opportunity. But no, they need both EO and Bailey, and uh, sort of yeah
2: Bailey. I, who wins it. Who wins? I, I think Bailey. Yeah.
1: Who wins it? I think, you know, I think, think he those guys to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to Zelina. They heard her reaction in Puerto Rico. And I think they want to start pushing her as a baby. Fa- and they need, they need another baby face in the women's division because I'm honestly wondering if they have one anymore. Uh, let's start to the uh, Grayson Waller effect here. Right. Uh, first off, Grayson Waller so far. Has not wrestled a match yet. I'm looking forward to when he finally gets to wrestle a match. They're slow building him. They want to put him over as a personality first. The man looks like he's living his best life. He looks like he's having the time of his life. He's interviewing Charlotte Flair tonight, and he is coming off. And I can tell it's an act because he's not that great of an actor, but he's coming off so flustered and starstruck. A All mark. Of, he was a yeah, mark He, for, he, for he came off as a mark for Charlotte Flair tonight and it was such a nice touch that added a, a just it added something to the segment that it really needed because for Charlotte's role in this if she's a baby face then I'm the president of the United States of America because Charlotte came off as a cocky heel if I have ever seen one in my life Grayson Waller does the uh yeah, there's two st- You guys know this. There's two styles of interviewing, right? You ask a question or you make a statement and hope that the person you're interviewing goes off of that statement and then gives their opinion. Grayson went with the latter and Charlotte just stared at him for like (laughs) five seconds and was like, you can ask me a question now. And I'm like, oh, that's a bitchy thing to say. Right. Uh, And then (laughs) and then because I've had people do that to me before all right and it it is kind of a dick move to say that and then he asks her a question she says like two words and then she sits there and she waits for grace and she goes you can woo now and i'm just sitting there like what are we doing here and then bianca's music hits and this thing finally picks up where it's bianca it's charlotte bianca's all pissed off because charlotte cut her in line last week did the charlotte flair thing even though it makes absolutely no sense she loses to Rhea she leaves for three months she comes back and now she's challenging Asuka again and Bianca has a right to be pissed off because Bianca has the automatic rematch clause after she just lost and Charlotte is sitting here throwing her resume at her and Bianca is like look okay screw you because yeah you're a 14-time world champion but you lost that damn thing Fourteen times. I held on to mine for four hundred and some odd days. So you know what? Take your fourteen and stick it where the sun don't shine, right? And these two are clapping back at each other. And Bianca said, "Look, I'm gonna be there in two weeks. Whoever wins, I got next, and you're gonna know it." And the whole thing. while this was a good. I thought this was a good promo exchange. It was who wasn't there that I think screams volumes fact that Asuka was nowhere to be seen tonight did not make an appearance now suddenly feels very much like an afterthought and yeah charlotte flair is winning the title in two weeks and it's going to be charlotte and bianca at Summerslam. I, I, I I slam i
0: i i can't say you're wrong but I'm hoping this leads to a triple threat. At the very least, make it a triple threat, and you can still tell this story. But I love the fact that Bianca Belair wasn't what the usual people against Charlotte Flair. They kind of just take it on the chin that she's this, you know, well-decorated, highly decorated uh, performer. Bianca said, put some respect on my name. She's like, I'm the longest reigning woman's champion of the modern era, and I didn't need 14 times to do it. Like yes. she, I loved, I love that she came at, she played her role ver- very well, and it gave me more faith than I had last week, where I th- really felt like WWE made uh, Charlotte Flair into a Karen, but was trying to tell me to cheer her. They re- they really kind of went in on the Charlotte Flair character that we usually know, where she's cocky, she's, she's very condescending, and yeah. she, she looks down right. on everyone else in the women's division, and she tried to do that with Bianca, and she said, uh-uh, she gave her the uh-uh, no, 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 I'm not the one. You could do that to everybody else. You're not going to do that to me. I'm going to be here in two weeks. I got next. I love the dynamics of their characters together, but I do agree with Rick that it did speak volumes that WWE did not trust Oscar to be involved in this in some way, somehow.
2: I agree what you guys said, what I would have done. I think it needed just a little bit more. What it might have needed is a face-to-face, one shove, one shove. I think it one needs shove, a little one shove and <laughs> No punches. No right. punches. You know, like, you know, Charlotte said, get out of my face, and, you know, I, I put a shove back, and then I stare off, and then leave. What I would love out of this,
1: right, is... I hope it's a triple threat or I hope Oscar comes out of this somehow because I feel like Charlotte and Bianca. It's big enough at this point. It doesn't it's a feud that doesn't need the championship. It really doesn't. And so much of Charlotte Flair's feuds have always been built around titles because she's always in the title picture. That was the
0: one thing that Charlotte said where I was just like, well, why don't you ever stay away from the championship? It's when she said, I don't need a championship to feel like the champion. And I was like, then why don't you ever do anything without the championship? Yes. Like if you're if you don't need the championship, then you should be able to do feuds without the championship, but you never do. I don't yeah. remember the last Charlotte Flair cha- uh, feud. No, I do remember the last Charlotte Flair feud that had nothing to do with the championship and it was Lacey Evans sleeping with her father.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So let's forget that ever happened cuz I blocked that out of my memory until you just brought it up. Um my goodness. So <laughs> here's kind of what I'm hoping, right? Oh, I I'm, like that. I'm hoping. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Oh, yeah. I'll never that. forget, by the way, Lacey Evans was supposed to beat Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Never forget that. Anyway, so here's what I'm hoping. I hope that, and I never really root for bullshit, but I'm really hoping we get some bullshit. I'm hoping we get some bullshit. That sets up, uh, you know, DQ, Bianca gets involved. There's a melee. Maybe they set up a triple threat at Money in the Bank. Hell, maybe, you know what, give Asuka a damn win because she needs one over Charlotte for crying out loud, right? Let actually Asuka beat both Charlotte on Friday and have her beat Bianca like two weeks later, right, ahead of SummerSlam because of distractions or interference from one or the other and set up that triple threat at SummerSlam. And then you know what? At SummerSlam, EO Sky cashes in on that triple threat, wins the damn title, and sets up Asuka versus EO, and then you can continue Bianca and Charlotte because they don't need the championship. That's what I would hope. But either way, this is going to be good because, as you said, SP3, Bianca is finally somebody who doesn't, doesn't have to sit there and take it on the chin because Bianca's resume, even though she doesn't have the numbers, Bianca's resume is as impressive as any of the Four Horsewomen, based off of what she has accomplished over the last two years. She has made it at WrestleMania. She has won multiple world championships. She held on to that world title for over 400 days. She's beaten every member of the Four Horsewomen multiple times, with the exception of Charlotte Flair. This is going to be good. I just hope that Oscar is just not a transitional piece in all of them. You know, like she deserves to have a, a, a decent title run because I can't remember the last time she actually had a decent title run. Pandemic. What else? Yeah, the pandemic. You're right. Yeah. When she was feuding with Bailey and uh, Sasha. Sasha. And she had yeah. yeah.
0: And even that they broke it up because she lost a championship match by con- by count Yep. And lost the title.
1: Uh, we had a couple other minor things that happened on the show tonight. We had a mixed tag match. Uh, AJ Styles and Meachin losing to Karrion Cross and Scarlett. Any thoughts about uh, that match between either of you guys tonight? Well, it wasn't on very Karrion, long. Ago. Karrion
0: Cross won a match. I mean, it and he is. beat AJ Styles. He, he beat former WWE champion AJ Styles. So yeah. I did well, not expect who, that to be the finish.
2: Yeah, I thought, who did AJ piss off? <laughs> who did he make mad? I mean, Karrion Cross couldn't buy a win. All of a sudden, he beats AJ. And I'm like, wait a uh, minute.
1: They, they were throwing him a bone. They threw his ass a bone tonight. All of a sudden, he, like, the guy was like on the gurney and the EKG machine is flatlining. And all of a sudden, they gave him a shock, and he's like, "Oh, I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still relevant. All right. Like, I still believe in Karrion Cross, but his book needed it. some help. He got it tonight. I'll tell you what, though, Scarlet. This was the first time we had seen her in the ring on the main roster. She can take a hell of a German suplex now. That released German suplex looked great. I, I loved her takedown of Meechin. She didn't do much in this match, but she impressed me with what she did. I thought I thought the double team between AJ and Meechand on Karrion Cross was great. And if there was any kind of heat on Cross right now and any kind of recognition between Meechin, that crowd would have popped for that. But they have not done very much with her yet and carrion there's not a lot of heat on him yet because he's just been losing so the crowd has been losing interest but that was a great spot that the crowd didn't pop for that they should have under the right circumstances and then yeah i loved i love scarlet trying to seduce aj as a way to distract him and he just takes off his glove and goes i'm married bitch I i ain't doing this and that's a quote direct quote if you missed it he just goes i'm married bitch but the distraction still worked, and he ended up losing. So this was quick. I would have liked it a little bit longer. This really so did.
2: His wife, so his wife cost him the match.
1: Wouldn't be the first time. If anybody remembers Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. Wendy, hi Wendy, hi, Wendy. how's it going?
0: <laughs> but but Dutch is Dutch is. Uh, I think you made a good point that that Carrion Cross. Carrying Cross getting a win over AJ Styles should just be feel like oh this is a big win for Carrying Cross, but Dutch automatically said his first thought was what well, did AJ do wrong?
2: Because <laughs>
0: that was my first thought
2: as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect that. I don't think anybody else expected it either. No, I don't think right. it did. For I don't think it hurt AJ. I didn't think it helped Karrion. It was just a match.
1: I honestly swear to God. I thought match was over when he had styles clash. I was like,
2: damn, they're about to beat him in two minutes.
1: Like, really? I thought it was. And I'm like, oh, thank God that, you know, Jesus. But I like carrying. I like him. And I like him as a person too. I think he's great. Uh, I, hopefully this is the start of something for him, but I'm we'll see. It's better than what he, they've been giving him uh, as of late.
0: Only other him beat AJ in a singles match. Then I'll, then I'll take it seriously.
1: You know what? I want to see him win a match without scarlet helping him that's what i want to say against anybody literally anybody that's become a crutch that they lean way too much on like Carrion cross he's a big dude he's a monster he should not much like roman right i feel like they lean on that too much with the usos helping him out he should not have to get help to beat madcap moss right i'm sorry he should not that should not be a thing I think the only other thing that we haven't mentioned yet was uh, Baron Corbin kicking the crap out of Cameron Grimes uh, to set up a rematch backstage. So uh, Baron Corbin utilizing his free agent status I'm to a, just go
2: everywhere. I'm sick of that already. <laughs> he if I sh- those two together again. I don't give a shit. I wish <laughs> they would just both beat the shit out of each other and fight <laughs> out a side door, and don't say any more about them.
1: I'll tell you what, though, he threw his ass into that damn road case. I mean, that was that was pretty damn good. Look, they're do- they're finally doing some stuff with Corbin, at least, right? He's got an NXT Championship match that he's going to lose, but he's got an NXT Championship <laughs> match with uh, yeah, with dude, Carmelo Hayes, and he's got a match He's he's reached that point in his career where it's like, go home. He's he, he's reached that Dolph Ziggler stage. Like, unfortunately, he's reached, He's still really talented. He's a great in-ring worker, but they're just never going to do anything of substance with him except use him to help put other people over. That's but, hey, it, it keeps you employed, though. Like, he's got a job, and he's going to do it, and he does it
2: well.
0: Hey, as long as he's got a job. Cor- Corbin's got two feuds going on. I'll give yeah. him that. He's got two. He's, he's doing a lot better than he was a year ago.
2: Yeah, uh, Corbin's got one going with me, a feud. <laughs> I don't want to see him. Hey, when Corbin's on on the screen, nothing against him personally. That's when I go and get something to drink or do something else. Because it's going to be over in just a minute. And so I come back and maybe the commercial will be over and we'll go on with the show.
1: I'm telling you right now, if they would just utilize my idea and just make Corbin like whatever brand he's on make him the pit master like really like have him do his barbecue and just start like giving away free food in the parking lot and make that like part of his gimmick he would be the most over baby face in the entire fucking company if he just shows up and starts cooking fucking barbecue and tailgating with people do that during an fl season well the, the, that that stuff would go great it would go absolutely great it'd be something that he loves doing obviously he wants to go into food network after he's done in the ring he's told me that his damn self so i I'd love them, for them to use that. There's money in that, too. Think of all the Baron Corbin would, aprons and barbecue sets they could sell.
2: That would be a good gimmick for him. Yes, it would.
0: Anyway. <laughs> Dutch knows, Dutch knows an that would never get over it. He won't be on TV.
2: Well, hour and a half in, we haven't mentioned CM Punk yet. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to get to what's actually in the uh,
1: headline. I was going to like do that second, but I thought we'd go yeah. through the show much quicker than we did. We spent, we spent 40 minutes on the Bloodline stuff. I think 45, actually.
2: You spent 40 minutes on the Bloodline stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm terrible well, at keeping time. On. Terrible at keeping time. Hey, at least, you know, we'd only be on for 20 minutes by now if we were doing our normal show. So at least we started earlier. So CM Punk returns to television tomorrow night. Dutch on the debut episode of AEW Collision. And yesterday on the old uh, IWC, it was doom and gloom because there started to be some leaks that CM Punk did an interview. His first interview since uh, the brawl out at All Out. And there were some things that apparently pissed some people off in this interview. And this was going to make headlines and it did not make anything better backstage. And like like I said, there were people who were really kind of pushing Punk stepped in it again. Then the interview comes out today, and thankfully, I wasn't the only one who thought this. When I read that piece and I went, this is it. Like, literally, this is it. This is what the, the, the interview was about. It was Punk speaking for the first time and telling his side of the story, and I don't even really think he said anything egregious. And here were my big takeaways. And guys, I know you read the story as well. Let me know if I'm missing anything. Punk says that he actually regrets what happened at all out. He regrets that it got to that point and says he did not handle the situation the right way. No shit, but he admits it. He did not handle the situation the right way. Um, He was upset that management at AEW did not handle the Adam page going into business for himself promo to his liking and ultimately felt he had to take things into his own hands when he got the opportunity, hence calling Adam Page out on Dynamite when nobody knew he was going to do that, and then what happened uh, in the uh, All Out press conference. Ultimately, he did not believe what happened that All Out was that big of a deal, he says. Uh, If it wasn't for him getting injured, it would have blown over much quicker, but he was off TV for several months uh, due to tearing his triceps off of the bone. Also compare what happened at All Out to a fight that you would see at an nhl game or a brawl in a major league baseball game and says those stories only last a couple of days he has reached out to try and bury the hatchet with every member of the elite he is willing to have an open and honest conversation and every time he reaches out he gets an attorney response saying do not contact my client his words he says punk and the elite will not be happening on television he's going to be the centerpiece of collision going to be uh great to build a new program with some uh, less featured stars like Miro and Andrade and Ricky Starks and the like. And he has got a lot to say to get off of his chest tomorrow night. Did it, was there anything else that stood out to you guys uh, in that interview? Because again, to me, none of that really sounds like anything egregious. He told his side of the story, what he felt said he did regret it says he has apologized says he has reached out. I didn't see a smoking gun here that indicates anything. I'm well, sure there to... are people backstage who were pissed off that he was speaking again and that he's still in the company, but I don't see how this makes anything worse.
2: According to earlier reports, he's gonna say some stuff that makes people uh, they're gonna be so mad they won't even show up in Chicago. But he didn't. So I'm I'm getting ready to read something that's inflammatory. Yeah. Piss people off, but it didn't come across which now that pissed me off because I wasted my time reading that crap to have something to say, but he didn't say nothing at all. He basically said, I regret it happened. They won't talk to me. So, and I hope everybody tunes in to watch it. That's basically what he said.
1: Yeah. It it really kind of put over AEW SP three collision tomorrow night more than anything, because he said tune in tomorrow night, because I have a lot that I want to say. And that was, Pretty much it. Um, I think you kind of
0: missed out on the part that probably uh uh, pissed off some people was his whole Hangman Adam Page and the fact that he still hates Hangman Adam Page from everything he says. I think you you did mention that he was mad that the company didn't do anything. He then also said that he felt that the the match at Double or Nothing was garbage because he felt like he had to protect himself. And he said that Hangman Adam Page chopped him in the mouth. And he thought the match was garbage because he felt like he had to protect himself because he felt like Hangman Adam Page was shooting on him, which oh
2: bullshit. I mean,
0: I can't I can't say what happened in the ring. I can't say any of that, but it just really feels like he has he's like he's like, well, I they said I can't talk about any of these other guys, but Hangman Adam Page wasn't in that NDA. So I'm going to say some things about him.
1: That you're you're 100 right on that. I totally forgot uh, about there. There was a lot in there. There wasn't anything major yeah. outside of that. I'm sitting here right now on bullet points and trying to do it from memory. But yes, uh, CM Punk, what exactly what you said. He did not trust Hangman Adam Page after the promo incident, and I didn't think the match with with Hangman was garbage i didn't think it was a, I, a thought it was,
0: I thought it was great outside of punk messing up the buckshot larry oh, yeah. like i thought it was a, twice. a, a great yeah. uh, twice yes tw- twice and he basically blamed hangman adam page for it being a garbage match and said and said and i quote he poisoned everything about that world title feud after that promo ahead of all of double or nothing
1: he's so, so-
2: hang on no i'm mad at I'm it he's coming back don't oh, worry bust him out I'm saying, damn you see him. He is
0: coming, he's almost there. There he goes.
2: I'm gonna lay all this at the at the feet of Tony Khan. He needs to take charge of that company. And the old saying goes, You can't you can't let the Indians run the reservation, or you can't let the inmates run the jail. And he's letting those guys and he's getting friends to he's he's friends to them. And you can't do a business that way because they'll look at you. Oh, come on, man, do this and do that. He needs to be, he's the boss. Don't worry, guys. He's coming back. He's here. He needs to run
0: it. His damn neighbor keeps, keeps shutting them
1: out. I, I can't, I can't say anything about how this all came to a head. Right. But I feel like at some point, like I, again, total speculation on my part because I'm not backstage. I don't know exactly what happened, so don't take my word as gospel. But I feel like there should have been at some point this whole thing could have just been squashed early on if they just would have got if somebody would have got them in a room, got them to talk to one another. They could have had their blowout out or whatever it was, tried to clear the air about the whole Colt Cabana thing and squashed it back in freaking April of last year and then moved on. I feel like that should have happened pretty early. Somebody, management, leadership, maybe they tried. I don't know. But I feel like this was a very minor thing that completely, de- almost
2: completely derailed the company. Tony Khan should have shut it down at the scrum because CM Punk was very aggressive. Tony said, that- And
0: he did mention in the interview that he, uh, he apologized to Tony Khan for what he said at the media scrum did
2: yeah well he should have and tony Tony should have just say hey let's 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 not talk about that try to get out of it some way because he he did some damage there that's the first wrestling scrum i've ever seen
0: yeah there, there was a there was a way for tony Khan to be like Okay, I don't want to interrupt you, but let's not talk about that. Let's actually talk about, you know, world title program and give one of those those Tony Khan answers that get CM Punk on the right track. He could have done more, definitely. And I do agree with Dutch that it's on Tony Khan. All of this is really on Tony Khan because he has to deal with managing all these egos and everything that's involved here. And a lot could have happened either during right after that promo when, to, when CM Punk I guess, spoke up and said something that he didn't like that, how that promo went when CM Punk went on national TV and called out Hangman Adam Page. you could have had the meeting then, yeah. but it's just like my dude, like, OK, he says that, uh you know, Hangman wasn't wasn't punished or there wasn't consequences for what he did to his satisfaction. My dude, Hangman Adam Page was like kept off TV for like a month. After that, like after a forbidden door where they needed him to fill a spot in the IWGP match, he was off of TV for a near a month. Like, I think that was his punishment. I think that was his punishment. Not only his, that. The, the way they? The way he went from world champion to barely on TV, I think that was his punishment. If you didn't like that, you didn't think that was enough consequence, that's on you.
1: And not only that, he put you over, man. He, he went out there. He did his job. You may not have trusted him during the match, but by the time it was over, I mean, other than, and I did see the video, there was a high chop that caught him across the jaw. And even Punk said in the interview, hard to tell if that was intentional or accidental, but in his mind, he couldn't figure it out, right? So he had to, in his mind, he was focused on protecting himself because he didn't know if he could trust Hangman. But by the time the match came to it, if that was the only little incident and the match came to an end and, and Hangman did what he was supposed to do, okay, you know what? he did his job shake hands agree to disagree and move on I feel like that should have happened a long time ago and it just never did CM Punk unapologetically is always going to be himself and he is going to defend himself vigorously if he believes he is in the right and he believes that he needs to defend himself and I think ultimately that's where the lack of you know, response to the hangman Adam Page thing by management came in is like he felt that as a slight to him that they didn't feel like they were going to bat for him in that situation. So he took the bat in his own damn hands and smashed the company to a million pieces for a couple of weeks is is what he did. But
2: Hangman well, Page had hit me like that, God, we'd have a we'd have had a hell of a fight. We'd have fought all over that arena. And I'd have beat the shit out of him.
1: We would have done a 450 splash thing, through a table and pinned him.
2: Good thing he was with Punk. So, but anyway.
1: Now, Dutch, real quick, because I know we're way over time here, but... Uh, way
2: over? Hell, we're in the next week.
1: Yeah, I know. We're doing two shows here tonight, and I'm going to get yelled at. But Um. CM Punk is going to be back on. He's going to be in the main event. He's working with Samoa Joe again, all right? So that should be enough to get everybody excited. We'll see what he says on the microphone, because... Again, you can't just you can't trust what's going to come out of his mouth, other than the fact of what he's not allowed to say legally, right? So we'll see how that that goes. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about CM Punk. Eric Bischoff is somebody who has railed on him, saying that he's a, a major financial bust. They have centered this whole show around him. It's going to be on Saturday nights. Ultimately, do you think this is a smart gamble that will that will pay off for for Tony Khan and building a Saturday show? around CM Punk, and otherwise a bunch of guys that are very talented but so far have not really made their mark in AEW?
2: It's premiering at a time you're running into college football season. That's going to kick their ass on Saturday night because all the marquee games, Fox and ESPN, and they'll have all the, the Georges and the Clemsons and the Ohio States and Notre Dame. They're all in your, they're your primetime teams. So when you, when you put something up like that, you know, you're going to lose a lot of viewers. But I guess if, if they do the right stuff, they, they may, they may, they're going to survive anyway. I think this first show will do a million and a half, maybe. But I think from there, they're going to drop down and it'll be like, Maybe Rampage and maybe do better than that. But Saturday night is a very tricky night.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, on, I'll, on TV.
1: SP3, I'll say this much, and I believe we talked about this earlier this week. Um, Tony Khan has got to come out strong out of the gate on Saturday. He's put together a really, really good card. Look, Samoa Joe and CM Punk, that's a program that people have fond memories of back from the Ring of Honor days. Been a long time since those two have got a chance to square off against one another. Um, If that's a program, if that is the big program, those two guys moving forward, that's a very, very strong start. But I mean, that second show has got to be a hell of a card. That third show. He has got to put everything he can out there. Boom, boom, boom. Week after another, especially with ticket sales not being strong right now in Canada.
2: He he needs to tell some stories. You can wrestle to the cows, come home. It won't get you any more viewers till you tell the story. The the bloodline has showed that. Tell the story and hell, they didn't wrestle tonight, but the story was there and the people were interested in what they were going that what they were saying and what they're gonna do. So until they learn that, they're just gonna be a wrestling show on TV.
0: And you got one of the, the all-time great talkers in, in wrestling and CM Punk. So if you kick off the show with CM Punk, he's got to say something that's memorable. He's got to set up whatever storylines or feuds that you're going to do with him, whether that's against Jay White, whether that's against Samoa Joe, whether you're having someone he's going to be on Forbidden Door and you have someone from New Japan that he's going to go up against at that show. You got to start off the show hot and you got to start it off with one of these programs. And he's got to say something either if he if this whole interview is just part of a bigger thing where the only person from the elite he can feud with is hangman Adam Page. And he's about to call out hangman Adam Page. You need to do something like that. That's going to create headlines. That's going to have us talking about this when, uh, you know, whenever down the road. So you have to do something that's a hot thing and you have to set up the next weeks for collision as well.
2: I think you should call Heyman Page down so, to the ring. It's, it's going to be
0: interesting. I think the aim should be 600 to 650,000 for this show. On this show? On this debut show, yeah. Real I baby. think that's the most reasonable. That's the most reasonable rating.
2: <laughs> right. I missed that big time anyway. I think you should call Heyman down. He said, I got one thing to tell you. And he said, What is it? And he slaps the shit out of him. And then they go to it. And, and that's.
1: And honestly, that's one of the things that CM Punk does so well is he blurs reality and television together, where you don't know what's real and what's not. So that's, that is maybe. So maybe you know well, no, what I know. Is,
2: that, you're there, right.
1: There are there are people within that company who maybe said, "Hey, look, wait till you see what wait till you see what Punk says in this ESPN thing." wait till you see what Punk says in this. Maybe the whole damn thing's a work. I'm not the it's a work guy, but with Punk, you never know. We're way over time. We talked about a lot of stuff. You, Dutch is already you, ready to get out of here.
2: No, I, the interview he did kind of killed the show. Ain't <laughs> nothing the, to do now.
1: The interview came off as an appetizer to what he's going to say tomorrow night. He was never going to put anything in that interview that could be over that would overshadow what he's going to say tomorrow night. He's going to say it tomorrow night to get the pop, to get the ratings, to get, to get all of that. So um, I'm going to watch it. We will see indeed. SP three, which got going on true heel heat this weekend.
0: Uh, the True Hill He Flash It podcast tomorrow at 11.05 a.m. Eastern time. It will be myself, Miss Chrissy Love. We'll be joined by Steven Jensen of Fightful, as well as Sports Keto Wrestling's own Kev Kellum. We'll be talking about WWE with him. Steven Jensen will be talking about AEW Dynamite with that hot ending, as well as the CM Punk ESPN interview and why CM Punk still hates Hangman on Page. We'll talk <laughs> more in depth about that tomorrow.
1: That's what you got going on this weekend?
2: I kind of hate Hangman Adam Page myself. <laughs> if, if Punk doesn't like him, there's got to be a got to be a reason. But uh, he hates cowboys. That's probably it. Oh well, that don't sit well with me. <laughs> no, but hey, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, Dirty Dutchman Tell with two L's at gmail.com. Catch me on YouTube, Storytime with Dutch, which is doing very well. I might add, it actually it's actually surprised me. To tell you the truth. I got uh, an old time promoter wrestler from my wrestling family coming on, uh, not this week, but next week. Ron Fuller, which is one of the great storytellers that I ran across. And he's a talking machine. So, uh, and I have people actually calling me up now and wanting to be on the show instead of me calling them. So, and that's good. I would invite That's when you Rick. know it's going well. I would I, I would invite you on, Rick, but you'd want to talk too much, and I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And you know what about me?
0: What about me, Dutch? Oh,
2: said you're booked. Anytime you want to come on, just tell me. You know, Rick, Dutch, you know, we're on a little bit. He's going to have to politic a little bit to get on my show.
1: Dutch, there's some validity of what you're saying. All right, so <laughs> I, I did a radio interview this week for a station in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, I went on the air at 11.15 Eastern Standard Time. So 8.15 out there. They kept me on for two segments. I went all the way to midnight. They asked me four questions. So uh, (laughs) what time did you go on? 11.15. There was a five-minute commercial break in between. So I went 40 minutes. minutes. I went 40 minutes on 10, 10 minutes per each question. Talk radio show host here, people. I am the ultimate guest. You need an hour to fill. I'm your freaking guy. Uh, follow me on Twitter for everything that I got going on, whether it's talk radio, whether it's for Sirius XM or any of the 19 other outlets that I work for. Uh, again, I talked to Zoe Stark this week. I talked to Chris Statlander this week, and I talked to Gunther this week, all those interviews, all the articles, they're there on my uh, Twitter page at Ricky Follow me there uh, for Dutch for Sid. For Sid and Dutch, because you guys have been flipping screens all damn night. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to all. And our... Rick's gonna be
0: on the post show for Fightful. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Collision tomorrow. Post show. <laughs> Fightful.com
0: He didn't promote it, so I'll, I'll get in trouble. You can get me in trouble. <laughs> Rick's doing big things. Congrats, Rick. Uh
1: Frank, no, I'm not. Actually, I, I just I'm not bald. There you go. I have a 35 full head of hair still. All right, anyway. So there look you at go. Rick's
2: hair and look at mine. Look
0: at that! I'm bald. I'm the only bald
2: one here. between our ages. Look at that! You got a good, you got a good head of lettuce, Dutch. I still do. I, it surprises me, but I'm I don't
1: care still- what. I don't. I've, I've always said I don't care what colors on top of my head, as long as it's still there. As long as it's still there, that's all I care about. My brother. My brother's only four years older than me. He is completely bald. Every time we get together, this dude looks at my hairline like he is a Bosley consultant. He is just waiting for the. The hairs to drop. It's hilarious. All right. Anyway, we're we're over. We're way out of time. Have a good weekend, everybody. Happy Father's Day out there. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Take care, everybody.